0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the New Testament reading of 1 Corinthians, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it's so good to see you this morning. And for those who are online, I'm thankful that you have joined us as well. And because you're here, I'd like you to think about this question. Why are you here? Why did you join us in worship this morning? What is the point of you being here today? We have the children in the balcony. You know, to them it's, is it because your parents brought you here this morning? They made you come? Is it because you wanted to get out of the house? You wanted to see some friends, some family, some people you haven't talked to recently. Is it because you had nothing better going on? I mean, there's no live events for the Olympics right now. Thus, you have a little bit of time to kill. There's also nothing else to watch on TV right now. And well, the Super Bowl isn't for a few hours yet. Is it because this is your tradition? That this is just what you do on a Sunday morning? And, well, do you really want to be here, or would you have rather slept in longer? Maybe, you know, you'd just be getting up by now if you didn't have to worship. Why are you here? Well, the good news is, is that even if you don't know why you're here, I know why you're here. And Paul knows why you're here. And he tells us in 1 Corinthians, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. You're here because of Jesus' death and resurrection, and this is the most important message that you can hear. And understand, this is chapter fifteen of First Corinthians, and Paul didn't put chapters in his letters as he wrote, but this is chapter 15 of 16 in 1st Corinthians. So it's towards the end of his letter, and he lets them know that this is of first importance. This is the most important thing that you need to know. Sure, I have plenty of things to teach you, to tell you, to correct you on, to counsel you on. But this message... Of all of the message that you've already heard and are going to hear is what matters most of all. And that is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. This is the message that you need to hear. Because it's not always easy to listen. Now, it it might be easy to be dedicated to coming to worship. And it's, just as easy to get distracted while you're in worship. Whether you got kids running around trying to keep them from making a mess of things, trying to keep them fed and nourished, or prevent them from destroying who knows what. Whether you're thinking about what else you have going on today, the week that is ahead of you, and maybe the things you didn't get done last week, and well, now you actually have to do them this week. And, of course, Satan wants you to be distracted. He wants your attention away from the most important thing. And that's the word of God. And so he will do everything in his power to lead you away from it. He is also going to send plenty of messages your way through the world that he wants you to see as the most important thing so that you can begin to doubt God's word. And in this way, he's going to subtly continue to ask the same question he has from the beginning of creation that he did with Adam and Eve. Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Did God really say? Except he words it a little differently for us. Did God really create the world in six days? Because, you know, science has proven that evolution is real, and, well, that doesn't really line up with a six-day creation. Did God really say that it's not okay for you to have sex with someone or live together with someone outside of marriage? I mean, the whole world is pretty much doing that already. So, I mean, if the whole world is doing it, they're probably right, don't you think? Did God really say that you have to love everyone? Because, I mean, you know, there's this one guy at work who is just the worst. Did did God really say that you have to love the kid that bullies you at school? Did God really say that you have to love the person who wishes you harm? Did God really say that you have to forgive people when they sin against you? Did God really say that you need to be baptized? Or that you actually need to bring your children to baptism? I mean, after all, it's just water. What good can water actually do? And forgiveness? I mean, how can water forgive your sins? Did God really say that you need to come to the lord's supper to come to his altar to eat and to drink wait what you don't believe that Jesus' body and blood are, are actually present i mean because all i see there is bread and wine and forgiveness how can bread and wine forgive your sins and if god really did say all of these things Did he actually mean them? Because, you know, our world is changing and and what God said back then and what he means, you know, doesn't really apply to our world today. Well, because, you know, cultural context tells you that the world was, you know, pretty messed up back then. And and our world today is much better and more woke than generations before us. And wait, Aren't the words of the Bible the words of man and not God? So, did God really say any of these things to begin with? Which ultimately comes down to, did God actually do any of the things contained in the Bible? Because, you know, I have some serious questions about this death and resurrection of Jesus. Maybe more so the resurrection. And there's plenty of more things that... We could have included here things that satan is telling you and you can think about the things that you hear that you get questions on or that you get questions of in regards to what we believe so what does paul have to say let's look at it again for i delivered to you as a first importance what i also received Paul is passing on a message that he himself received. He is not making this up himself. And what's the message? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Again, the message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. First of all, that he died for you and for your sins. You really can't argue that Jesus died. Everyone dies. But it's the purpose of Jesus dying that matters. He died for your sins. Yes, your sins. I know that you do them. You know that you do them. And God knows that you do them. You've been a sinner since the time you were conceived in your mother's womb. And you might try and hide your sins from some people or all people, but you can't hide them from God. I mean, seriously, take a look at yourself. Take a look at your heart and tell me that there is no sin in you. Tell me that you are a good person. Because Jesus said, no one is good except god alone you're not a good person i'm not a good person you might do good things in the eyes of the world but the core of you is sinful i mean that's your sinful nature and it makes it natural for you to sin and your sin has consequences my sin has consequences we deserve punishment We deserve death. Physical death, yes, and also eternal death. Damnation. Hell. We deserve to be forever separated from God. And then we have Satan saying to Adam and Eve, Did God really say you would die? I mean, come on. He just doesn't want you to be like him. You won't die. You're fine. Just eat. Take a bite. It's harmless. Just give in to my temptation. Just sin. Adam and Eve ate. And they sinned. And they brought death into the world. And Satan still does this with you today. God is stopping you from living your best life right now. He is stopping you from having fun. He just wants you to to fit into this box that is impossible to fit in. So don't let anyone ever try to put you into a box and tell you how to live your life. Plus, if God is loving and gracious, how would God ever condemn people to hell? Tell me that one. He doesn't. In fact, hell is not real. And believe me, I'm Satan. I would know. Eat. You won't die. Just give in to my temptation. Just sin. And we do. Because we're sinners. And that's what sinners do. We sin. And sinners deserve death. And sinners deserve hell and satan knows this no matter what he tells you and that's why jesus came and died for your sins because we deserve death and we deserve hell but a man just dying is nothing a man just dying is not enough Every man dies. But the sinless son of God dying? Well, that changes everything. The one who is actually good dying makes all the difference. Because he takes our place. He takes our sin. He takes our death. And he takes hell for us. But actually, just Jesus, the son of God dying, is still not enough. He has to rise from the dead. And guess what? He did. Hallelujah. Christ is risen! There you go. It's not quite Easter yet, but I'm getting you ready for it. Plus, you know, every Sunday is a little Easter. And why does he have to rise from the dead? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Paul tells us. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And why is our preaching and faith in vain? Because if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If Christ stays dead, if he stays in the tomb, we have no hope because we are still in our sins. And if we're still in our sins, we are still deserving of nothing but death. There is no life there no eternal life, no heaven. If Jesus has not been raised, he is not our Savior. He is just a really good man who died, which is actually what plenty of people in this world believe. And if Christ has not been raised, our faith is futile. It's worthless. It's pointless. There is no reason for any of us to be here. If Christ has not been raised, why are you here? You're all just wasting your time. You should have slept in. You should tune out when you hear me preach. You should go and live your best life now because you don't have to worry about your own resurrection from the dead if Christ has not been raised. So go and sin. And don't worry about anything I or God's word has to say about your life because it's all garbage if Christ has not been raised. You should not remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You should not bring your children to baptism. You should not participate in the Lord's Supper because it isn't worth anything if Christ has not been raised. And even more so, Paul goes on to say, we are of all people most to be pitied. If Christ has not been raised, we should be pitied. People should feel sorry for us because we're proclaiming a message that isn't true. I remember having a conversation with someone who didn't believe in Jesus's death and resurrection, and I asked them, so how do you feel about the fact that my whole life is dedicated to this? To something that you don't believe is true. And their answer was, well, it's okay if you truly believe it. I wonder if they pitied me. I mean, I would deserve it, if Christ has not been raised. Paul's got us, though. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits Of those who have fallen asleep. Well, how do you know this, Paul? He told us earlier that Jesus was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Now, I left Paul out purposely since he's writing this, but here's a list of people who saw the resurrected Christ. Some of them have died. Most of them are still alive. Go and talk to them. Go see them. Do your fact-checking and see if this is fake news or if my words prove to be true. Why are you here? It's not to pity me or others. And it's certainly not because your faith is worthless. Because, hallelujah, Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. We're here in worship to receive God's gifts to us. Of first importance is the gospel. The good news that Jesus came to bring forgiveness of sins. It's those words, the words of God, that we put our hope in that Christ came to bring eternal life, the resurrection from the dead. He came to open the door to heaven for all who believe to enter in. He died for the sins of the world on the cross, taking our punishment and suffering hell for us. I mean, that is love. Sacrificial, life-giving, unconditional love. And his resurrection from the dead proves that Jesus did win our forgiveness and salvation. That same forgiveness that is given in the absolution. That same forgiveness and salvation that is given in baptism. Because the plain water is joined with God's word, and that is where the power comes from. That same forgiveness and salvation that is given in the Lord's Supper where the true body and blood of Jesus Christ is present with the bread and the wine. Gifts given to those who believe. Worship is about making sure the important things stay important. The good news of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins life and salvation these are the gifts received by faith faith which is also a gift from the Holy Spirit and that same spirit helps us to go and share that good news with others so did God really say yes in fact he did with his words that he's given us in the Bible and with his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. This is of first importance. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.